0: This is Joy, and this is Claire, and this is Joy and Claire,
1: a weekly podcast talk show about the things that bring us together, make us happy, make us whole,
0: make us human. Hey guys, this is Joy,
1: and this is Claire,
0: and this is Joy and Claire, and
1: Cassie, Cassie, Joy, Garcia, welcome (laughs) back to Joy and Claire. Hi. Hi, thank you for having me. We're so excited you're here. So if you guys, for some reason, don't know who this is, uh, Cassie is the author of the Fed and Fit blog. She has a ton of amazing cookbooks, and we are so excited to have her her here today to talk about life and also about about her brand new cookbook, which we will get to in a few minutes. But first, let's just say hi. How's your day going, Cassie? How are things? Things are really good.
0: It's so good to see you. I feel like... I'm having such good memories of our last episode, which was forever ago on the Girls God podcast. And I'm so I love watching everything that you're doing. We need an update on your family. You always just have so many fun things going on. You've got great dogs. Like this is just going to be a happy filled episode. And I can't wait to hear about your new book, Cook Once Dinner Fix. So
1: oh, the last our- time we had you on, you had, I think Gray was very young. And mm-hmm. since then, you are now pregnant with your third daughter, right? Yes. Like a little girl gang building. So tell us a little bit about how the last few years have been for you.
2: It has been a wild ride. <laughs> um, I am. So we're expecting our third baby girl in early December. And it was just like, I blinked this book, working on this book. We were, we started photographing it before I gave birth to Bishop. And now it's <laughs> I've got another baby in my belly, so it has just been it's been so fun, um both family and business growing at a really exciting fun rate um in their own trajectories. Uh, but it's been really great and the the boys are good, Gus and Ben, the puppy dogs. And, um, it is just, it's a, it's a wild ride. Austin and I, my husband, we are in the process of planning and building what is going to really be our forever home. And instead of kind of, I thought that we would have a house between this house and the forever house. Um, and so it's just a whole other thing that we get to think about And right now, it'll be a long time before we're in there. So we have a baby sleeping in what was Austin's office. And I think that by the time this one's here, we might just have one in a closet somewhere. (laughs) But it's all fine. It's going to be great. Hey,
0: as long as there's a roof over the head and some love in your heart and some food on the table, yeah. which I know you have, we
1: <laughs> and had some Miles. dog kisses. We had Miles when we were living in a one-bedroom apartment. And so he slept in a pack and play in our room until he was one year old. And looking back, like that was nuts. I can't believe we. that was such a bad idea. <laughs> Zero out of 10 would not recommend like literally our toothbrush and toothpaste because we lived in this little apartment where you had to walk through the bedroom to even get to the bathroom. So our toothbrushes lived in the kitchen, like in the little, like where you normally keep your hand towel Yeah, because you're like,
0: can't wake the baby. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was brutal, but you know, it's doable. You figure it out.
2: Yeah. You figure it out. There's pros. There's pros, you know, to all of it. We're all so close. (laughs) So so close. I can get to them so quickly. (laughs)
0: So I know, I, did you really want to, to make a bigger house? You're just going to have to run around and find where people are.
2: So much more to clean, too. Yeah. It is, it's going to be a lot more to clean. Hopefully, we'll all have helpers, right? We're building helpers, right? Isn't that part
1: of the point? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I haven't figured out how to get that to work yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's still a net negative in this house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, okay. Man. So. Talk to us a little bit about running your business during COVID because you have your whole team that they come to your house, right? Mm -hmm. They did. and And
2: Yeah, go ahead. We did. Yes. So we actually, they were coming to my house until, I guess, March, right? When the world shut down. Um, And that's also when we had to put a pause on the book and we put about a seven month pause on photographing the book. And in that time though, I actually built, I don't know if I had told y'all that we were going to do this, but we built a kitchen studio and that we moved into. So we have an office space and that finished, it was last summer. And so right in the middle of quarantine and COVID. And it was, for, it was really just me coming here because I was alone, but it was kind of, I got to be able to get out of the house a little bit. Um, and go to a place that I was, where we were still alone. And, but running bed and fit through COVID, it was tricky. Bishop, my second was born at the end of April. And so it was not exactly the maternity leave. It was, there's so much about that year that nobody had planned or anticipated, uh, but it was not definitely not the leave that I had anticipated or thought I would have because, you know, there's one thing I'm building is the owner of the business. You know, you build a maternity leave and it's not just, I think we've talked about this before. It's not just like, you're like, bye, I'll see y'all in three months, you know?
0: Right. Like you have to kind of help keep things running in some way, it, shape or form, have a plan. Yeah,
2: exactly. You need to build some sort of a runway or s- things for them to really stay super active and make sure that the business still supports itself. Um, and we're getting better and better at that um, independent of me, but I had, we had built that plan and then the pandemic happened and it was, we needed, I needed to still be present to be able to help lead through those times. So it was this interesting juggling act of newborn baby back into that mode of, um, really trying to pivot. How could we be as helpful as possible during this time to our readers? So that was it. I mean, it was really April was surviving, right? Figuring out how, how, and where I was going to have a baby. And, uh, you know, what plan was actually going to come to fruition what I felt great about at the time, what was even possible. There were so many unknowns and then coming back and just, we really navigated the pandemic as fed and fit by just stopping and asking, what do you, what do people need from us right now? Um, and how can we really be helpful to this community? And so that's how we put out content we paused everything else. So it was more like, here's four things to do with those cans of beans in your pantry versus. Here's a great new recipe for summer grilled corn.
1: And so, when did you pick back up on the book?
2: We picked back up on the book. It was towards the end of the summer. I want to say it was around August and September. Um, we had, and then we wound up coming here. It was a really small group. We wound up We had this space at the time. So we were able to not have to come to my house where there was still a newborn. Um, We were able to come to this space and then the whole team could make use of this enormous kitchen and cook. And then we have a photographer, Kristen Kilpatrick, who photographed this book, which was incredible. She waves her stunning magic wand over those pages. Um, But we knocked the rest of it out in about two weeks. So I'm
1: sure those were very relaxing, restorative weeks for you.
2: Very relaxing. Yes, it was a... Oh gosh, we all I was like, okay, after it wrapped, I was like, here's everyone go to the lovely hotel nearby and enjoy a night off. Don't talk to anybody for a week. <laughs>
1: like please don't, don't to to oh, please don't call me.
2: <laughs> hey, please don't <laughs> call me. Please don't talk to me for. A week. <laughs> no offense. Love
0: you Are all. you Cass- Cassie, are you an introvert side or extrovert side?
2: I,
1: I air extroverted.
0: Mm-hmm. I would guess that. But I you never know. Some people like present uh, as extrovert and they're really introverts. But
1: And even uh, extroverts, you know, our engines are finite.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I just I, I asked that because I think like especially in this year and just running a business and managing a family and also with COVID and kind of like having to take that pause. Was there anything that you were like really struggling with, especially with stopping a little bit?
2: Um, it was, I mean, the biggest challenge for me, and it, I, I think everybody felt this no matter where they come on the introversion or extroversion spectrum was just the loneliness, you know, that set in through all of that. Um, we have, we're incredibly fortunate in that my family's so close, right. But, at, but before but we were taking quarantine so seriously that we didn't see my parents who lived 10 minutes down the road. And we went from seeing them multiple times a week and actually they office in the same building as me. They're on the second floor. And so I actually, so in a lot of ways, get to see them almost every day. And so that was very jarring. Um, and so it was that kind, those kinds of things really started to weigh on me. And I thought like, I, I don't know if I'm answering your question, what did you had asked, but um, I felt like I was losing touch with um, what I could do to really be helpful. I hate to like, keep. I keep coming back to that. But as my North Star and in, in work and life, it's like, how can I be of service right now, whether it's my worker as a daughter or a friend? And I was like, I just, I didn't know where that pointed for a while.
0: Like your, yeah, your life purpose. So do you feel that there's kind of like this calling of being of service constantly, but taking a pause was like, oh, I got to do something. I have yes. to do something. And, and truly, you're taking care of yourself and you're filling up your own cup. And I know like all those cliche things of we all kind of had some time in space, even though we were going stir crazy and even just being at home managing a family is exhausting. But you get life from giving and creating and doing all these amazing things, creating content, creating cookbooks, uh, Instagram, your beautiful hair, your nails, <laughs> you know, those things that that being on pause Was there anything that you
2: could Mm. find
0: a different purpose from when you were in that space?
2: Yes. I mean, I definitely, that's such a good question. And I really hadn't thought about it in that context. I think that what it really forced me to do was, it it feels like it shouldn't be this profound of an aha, but it really was in practice. Uh, But I really just look a lot more within and figure out um, instead of, external cues of, am I heading in the right direction? I really got to tap more inwardly um, and just see, you know, what am I more curious about? What am I leaning into? I just, I, that was right when I started an entirely new Bible study that I hadn't explored before, for example. And it was, it was honestly something I just hadn't had built in time for. And I was like, I just needed something else to sink my teeth into. And it was a really great place to put that into place. And so those kinds of things, and it was really nice, so, you know, to start leaning into consuming things for myself, um, whether it was that or other things that were just for my own self development that didn't have an outward purpose to them. You know, it's not like I was reading the latest top ten fiction books for a review,
0: right? Right? Because I'm thinking, and we will get to your cookbook, but I just really <laughs> love having this conversation, especially with people who run such successful businesses, social media, is that you are constantly online comparing Mm -hmm. and taking away from that. I think I can't I can imagine it just being so valuable to really staying true to what you want to do. And your brand.
2: Yes, it did. And it really in Part of my plan for the maternity leave, a goal of mine for Fed and Fit has, or at least a hope of mine, and maybe a goal is too strong of a word, but a hope that I've always had for Fed and Fit is that it represented more voices, more people uh, than just myself. I really didn't start Fed and Fit 10 years ago, which is so bizarre, you know, the celebration (laughs) a decade of doing this. Um, But it didn't occur to me back then that I necessarily needed a personal blog in order to get to this online editorial thing that I thought I was craving to create. And so as part of my maternity leave, I was able to uh, invite some of the team members to come in and lead demos. And that was such a great way. Maternity leaves in particular, that was something that I saw coming for a long period of time, like the pandemic, but force you to like let go of the reins, right? Let go, let the capable people do what they do best and see what happens and how they grow this business in their own unique way. And that was really, I think when I look back on huge leaps that Fed and Fit has made and and my own development as a business owner and a leader, it's because of those significant periods of time that I was forced to be out of it. And really, and in a lot of ways, the pandemic, Really, being thrown out of what would have been considered our plan and our content calendar is another example of that.
1: I think what you said about you know being able to finally find some time to do these little, maybe really big, you know, interests, dig into different things that really felt like they were for you. And the comment you made before you said that was like, "Oh, maybe you know this it shouldn't have taken this for you to have to start to look inward." But mm-hmm. I think that that's so common, especially for you know, again, not to go like introvert, extrovert, but especially, you know, for extroverts, especially for content creators, especially for people who really spend a lot of time, you know, you you described yourself as your entire North Star is like, how can you be helpful? I mean, Being a helper is a completely reciprocal role, right? It completely relies on your impact on others and how they receive your impact. And I think a lot of us did feel, obviously, in a horrible, horrible situation where you're trying to find any tiny silver lining, this space to breathe and finally ask yourself, okay, I couldn't go fill my entire calendar right now if I wanted to. All the activities are canceled. All the trips are canceled. You know, I can't travel for work. My kids' soccer practices are done. I, you know, they aren't even going to school, let alone activities. What if I always wanted to do? And, you know, even for people, it was like, oh, we're, I'm going to learn how to bake. I'm going to learn how to sew. You know, I'm going to get a puppy. Like these sort of cliche now, they're cliche. You know, these co- mm-hmm. quarantine hobbies or the COVID puppies. But I think it it was a great opportunity for a lot of people to have that pause that in our society, there's not a time in our lives for that, especially once you become a mom. And especially, you know, if you are an entrepreneur on top of being a mom, I mean, talk about having a full plate. So I think that a lot of people can probably relate to that, that like whatever that small thing was or really big thing, that they were finally able to say, Hey, there's some space here. Like, what could I do with this? That's exciting. Mm, that's such a good point. And
2: you know what? Something that a lesson learned, and something that I'm taking from that, what you just articulated and in folding into the future of Bed and Fit, for example. I haven't told them yet, but my whole team's gone now. So I can talk about it. Um, is because it's a surprise. But we're building out our leave plan, right? So it's official. I have W2 employees. I feel so fancy now, but it's this whole, there's going to be next week, five of us that are full-time here. And, um, myself and another, one of my colleagues are going to have a baby within a month of each other. So obviously we need to formalize maternity leave instead of me just building content, winging it. Um, but it brings into mind other leaves, you know, bereavement. And, um, of course there's PTO and I have a really generous plan built in there, but um, something that came to mind when we were thinking about this with another new team member of ours is the idea of a sabbatical. And I felt like kind of the, again, not to be too Pollyanna about what we all just went through, but an itch that that scratch to your point is like we gave people had space all of a sudden to think about what do I do with this now? And there were such beautiful things that I think can come from that in the, in so many different regards. And so being able to purposefully build that in to a job, right. And know that on a predictable cadence, every few years, you're going to have a four week sabbatical supported by work, you know, to go and do something, whether that's travel Or whether that's the time that you bring home the puppy or whatever it is, you know, like, but to just think, what am I going to do with this? And then fill that space with something that really means something to you.
1: One other thing I want to touch on, um, and I know we've said this a hundred times now, and then we'll get to your cookbook. (laughs) I swear, eventually it's going to happen. I um, just have so much to catch up on. Is the experience of being a new mom during lockdown. And I know, you know, that those early postpartum days are already very isolating. Mm-hmm. And this, however, is, is something that we are not. It's, I think, one of the things about COVID that very much persists to this day is that extra isolation that, you know, you need to have for newborns away from, you know, you're not taking them out into public the way that you maybe once would have. And you're not having as many people come over to your house the way you maybe once would have. And the toll that that can take on an already very isolating time. And so, um, you know, obviously Bishop was not your firstborn and, you know, having a firstborn is its whole other can of worms. But for you, what was that like to have that added I mean, did you feel that added sense of isolation and how did you handle that? And you know, how are you looking to December and thinking about how that's going to go again?
2: Oh gosh. You know, I handled it probably very poorly to be totally honest. I tend to redirect when I'm uncomfortable. I redirect into like, what can I do to be useful with this time? And this is something that I should probably talk to a professional about, but (laughs) actually maybe I do. Um, but it's more like, like for yesterday, for example, I felt under the weather for a day. And instead of allowing myself to rest and be in those moments, right? And to just be like, oh, I don't feel good today. I'm gonna do the bare minimum because that's what I need to do is I need to sit on this couch and rest and drink fluids. Instead, what I did was I was like, I cannot let this day be a bust because of this thing that I have no control over. And so I'm going to get ahead on these other 18 things that I can do from the couch, which don't actually support the rest that I actually need. And so what I actually did during that season as a newborn from home being really lonely because I missed, I really, I ached for those visits from friends who stopped by with your favorite cup of tea or coffee you know, and take out from your favorite restaurant to help supplement the freezer meals. Like I ached for that. And for dear friends to sit on my couch after they had finished sterilizing their hands and hold the baby and ooh and oh, wow, this was so big. You know, like I really, I really ached for those moments. And so what I did is I turned that into what can I do to try to make something out of this that makes me feel great about it at the end of the day. And it was a being productive. And that's really probably, although I was pulled back into work a little earlier, kind of alluding to that and building a plan to get us through the pandemic. I was also, I pushed myself back in, in an effort to try to just feel like for better or worse, you know, that I was, it was a still a good time. Does that make sense? Um, Yeah. Yeah. And so looking forward to the other part of your question, looking forward to December is I know I've seen myself go through that. And what I wound up doing was I was just, exhausted. It was a very classic burning the candle at both ends. I needed to be resting, healing and just spending time with B and and Gray and instead I was and I was doing that but in those quiet moments I wasn't also not thinking about strategy, how can I pivot this? How can I work with people? How can I help people? I wasn't also working. And so, really building in really firm boundaries. And a part of that starts now. It's with my current Fed and Fit team and building, like, we spent, oh my gosh, I'm cross eyed, but we spent six hours today going over our content calendar to get us through
1: June of next year so that it's like we have a plan. Okay. Let's talk about your book. (laughs) Okay. So, I, it literally came in the mail. Oh, that's so, so guys, exciting. Cassie Claire was so has her right now. An it's advanced so great. copy. It's called Cook Once Dinner Fix. I'm holding it in my hand right now. I'm sorry you guys can't see it, but just imagine it here. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> and you look so beautiful on the cover. Your hair is so l- Joy loves your hair. She talks about it all the time. Not to be weird.
0: <laughs> no, i it's I'm obsessed.
2: Half, <laughs> Half of the hair on that cover is not mine, just for the record. Pro Amazing. So better,
1: the higher Lies the, hair, the hair. closer no. to God. <laughs> we definitely talked about that in our last episode about all your hair. Okay. <laughs> so first of all, I have to tell you that I still use Cook Once, Eat All Week all the time. Like we're in the middle of week four right now. Like I still use it. It's definitely my most used cookbook. And I, we still do the whole, like not every single week, but we have like this is our third week in a row using it because like school started back up. My husband has a new job where he's like, Oh, they always, he never gets home on time. And when we went through, you know, the first days of the pandemic, like we were using it every single week in the pandemic hit. And I was like, okay, cool. Now I can, I can cook from home. And then in the past like month or two, I'm like, I'm over it. I'm sick of having to come up with what to freaking eat for dinner every <laughs> night. And you have that moment where you're like, oh, I wonder what we're going to have for dinner. And you're like, oh no, that's me. I have to decide <laughs> I'm the one. So that's what I love about your cookbooks is that I feel like there is this unspoken and in my opinion, incorrect assumption that cookbook authors make that a a recipe in a cookbook has to be fancy. That like in order for it to be like quote unquote cookbook worthy, it has to have like a sauce and all these weird ingredients and you have to like garlic scapes or like something weird. And it's like, no, I don't need that stuff. I just need someone else to decide what I'm having for dinner. And Cassie, that is what you do for me. You come into my kitchen every night and you decide what I'm going to have for dinner and I will be forever grateful. So little did you know that that is what you're doing for me literally almost every night still to this day. So thank you. I love it so much. That makes me so happy to know. I I mean, I really, I think about you probably way more than is like normal for someone. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> like, oh, Cassie. So I'm so excited about this book. And tell us a little bit, in case you guys don't have Cook Once, Eat All Week, what are you waiting for? But in case you do have it and it doesn't, actually not even have a space in your bookshelf because you use it so much that it just lives in your counter. Let me regale you. It is <laughs> right. Like every week you have a set of ingredients and it makes three, three recipes that are all the same ingredients, but otherwise unrelated taste wise as much as possible. So, and the idea is that you like prep them all at once. So tell us what's different about this book. Cause it seems a little like less aggressive for lack of a better word. Aggressive. Like the first <laughs> book is like, you are committed. Like you're eating you're potatoes. Yeah all week. (laughs) Right. Yes. (laughs) Which I love, but. (laughs) And there's always going to be
2: a place, right? For both. I think, um, you know, cook once dinner fix the way that I like to do books is really an involved process. It is, it's a lot of work. And I, when I finish a book, I finish it with zero intention of writing the next one (laughs) to be totally honest, because I'm like, we gotta, we gotta have to have answered everything. Like we, we gotta knock it all out. And however, in Cook Wince All Week coming out, there was a lot of feedback that came in, and it became really clear that I wasn't done, like my work wasn't done with that book because there were a lot of wishes. People who were really using it and really like had really given the book a try or are still using it, and they say, This is great. And it would, I my I wish it had blah blah blah. And so I started paying attention to all of those and the most asked questions and the most requested updates, uh, that folks would have to ask. And an idea started to come together that actually happens to really actually overline with how I cook in my own home more often than any other. And so, you know, what I, what I do to start kind of there, what I do in my own kitchen is if I'm making, let's say a roasted chicken for dinner and I'm serving it with I don't know, roasted vegetables and potatoes, things like that. What I will do is I will throw another chicken in the oven while I'm roasting the one that we're having that night for dinner. And with the plans of, and I'm not eating that second chicken tonight, but I'm going to let it cool and I'm putting it in the fridge and I'm going to repurpose it in, let's say like a sesame chicken dish with white rice tomorrow night or two nights from now right? And so the work I'm kind of doing future myself a favor. So I'm able to have these two fresh meals and I'm really excited about them, but they're totally different flavor combinations, um, to what you just said. And they're, you know, but it's just the two meals. And what I found is by doing that, I allow myself a lot of variety. So one of the biggest requests that had come through from cook once eat all week was like, you just said, Claire just said, you're committed, like you are committed to those ingredients for these three pretty big hearty meals for the week and what folks were having a hard time doing was how do we incorporate other nutrients throughout the week whether those are the words they're thinking or not. they were like how do I eat different more different things and and that makes sense because in my own home I'm probably t- I'm eating beef at least once we're probably eating poultry and we're probably eating seafood. you know like we're mixing things in and if you have what I like to think of as an efficient kitchen, the one where you're throwing the two chickens in the oven to do future yourself a favor, you know, then it's hard to do that with a cook once, eat all week method because it's three big meals. And so what we did is we slimmed it down to two. So these are dinner series. So everything has two dinners paired um, to each of these to hopefully allow folks to be able to overlap and choose different from different chapters and build the week that they want. And so if you're like, I really want my family to have seafood or myself to have seafood this week, then I'm going to overlap that with another dinner series from another chapter. So that was a big wish that had come through. Another big wish that had come through was even though the prep day was significantly reduced in terms of what was involved in normal, not normal, but kind of like
1: traditional meal prep where you just sit there and go, yeah, through the yes, conveyor belt. That's exactly
2: it. Traditional meal prep, but like where you're pre-cooking meals completely. And in, su- in some cases, a lot of people are three meals a day, seven days a week. You know, that's part of their routine. They're really starting to reach burnout on that method. And so, you know, although the prep in cook one Eat all week was way less than that, because what you're doing is you're batch cooking these components. There were still people who were like, how about no prep, <laughs> like no prep day. I'd really like the opt for no prep day. And so that's what.
1: <laughs> Don't you love it when you create a product and you're like, this is for people who love prep day. And they're like, I don't like this cookbook because I don't want to prep. And you're like, well, then maybe buy a different cookbook, man.
0: <laughs> maybe order takeout.
1: Maybe order. Maybe just buy a cookbook that doesn't require a prep day. I don't know what to tell you, but I do. I empathize <laughs> with wanting to take that feedback anyway. <laughs> yes. Good for you for not just being like, I don't know what to tell you, person who doesn't like to prep. Don't buy a meal prep cookbook. <laughs>
0: hey, look, I gave all this content for you guys. <laughs>
1: What on my website. I don't know. <laughs> That's what I would have
0: said Cassie, but you're a nicer person so nice. as we all know. Cass- Cassie's just way <laughs>
2: too nice. <laughs> I've just had two years to settle. <laughs> it was really, you know, uh, I think at first I was like, I'm not going to, I can't make direct eye contact with the Amazon reviews. Somebody else tell me what they say. Oh, my
0: gosh. those Any reviews, period. How do, do you not look? Because I just can't. I can't.
2: I waited until there were um, this this is how fragile my ego is, y'all. I ra- I waited until there were enough good, great ones. Yeah, that, that you're like the eh. others. Yeah, mm-hmm. I could like ignore, not ignore, yeah. but take yes. the, the larger scope right. of
1: maybe where the others might fall.
0: Fair. Smart.
1: <laughs> is it <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. no, it is smart because you know what? Other people are mean. Poo poo on them. Okay. The <laughs> other big thing I noticed about this book immediately was that it, there are a lot more options that don't have meat. Yes. Yes. That and was that another- was a big thing. Yeah. I cook one seed all week. Everything is a meat based, which everyone who listens to this podcast knows I am a big meat eater. I'm very pro, like, you know, ethical meat. And I know there's, I work in the natural products industry. I know for a fact that like this plant based movement is no longer a movement, is no longer a trend. Like it's here to stay. People are, You know what do they call? They call it flexitarians. Are big and they're here
2: they're here. Yes. And never y'all. I didn't, I'm also a big pro meat person. If I'm making, if I am making tomato soup and grilled cheese for dinner, for example, it's kind of a classic combination. I'm finding a way to stud some chicken or some Turkey in there. Like that's just kind of my wiring. Now that being said, a big request that had come through was for vegetarian options, plant-based options. And so I put my thinking cap on and my coachable hat on and came up with this chapter. So the book has, instead of just poultry, tree, beef, and pork, which is what you will find in cook once all week. This one also includes seafood, which was tricky not to crack. It's the shortest chapter because a lot was left on the cutting room floor <laughs> for the seafood chapter. I wanted to make sure they were, you know, cause seafood repurposed
1: is a tricky situation. It is tricky. Yeah. Like it's hard to reheated fish is not that good. It's not going to be great. And so
2: it really needed to be like a super reliable home run. And so that's why that chapter is so short. And then the vegetarian chapter, I will be honest with y'all, I went in probably the least excited about it. And then maybe my favorite chapter in the book, it is, and maybe it's because I've threw extra fun, you know, things into it, um, to just really liven up these meals, but I'm really excited about them. So yeah, so there's a vegetarian chapter in there as well. And it's, it's
1: delicious. So as Cassie's talking, I'm flipping through the book. So just imagine. And I mean, I'm looking at ricotta stuffed eggplant. Do you say ricotta or ricotta? Oh, I say ricotta. Is that Yeah, me too. Ricotta. Everyone I know says ricotta, except for my husband who says ricotta, <laughs> which is wrong, Brandon. Incorrect. <laughs> and he's like, I'm from Wisconsin. And we know about cheese. I'm like, are you from Italy? I, this is about, It's also the reason that he claims he can't be lactose intolerant. He's like, I can't be lactose intolerant. I'm from Wisconsin. I'm like, that <laughs> is not... That's not a reason. (laughs) (laughs) Intolerant. It's a lot. (gasps) Okay, that's another episode. Clearly, okay. Ricotta stuffed eggplant, and then eggplant pepper skillet, and then it has this little tip because I'm looking at this. I'm like, man, this looks so good, but I don't love eggplant. And Cassie, you were like, I got you, Claire. Don't like eggplant try this dinner series with portobello mushrooms instead. She always has something always. Done. And like dietary
0: restrictions, cause I can't have dairy and you're always like dietary restrictions. I got you. So like everything's taken
1: care of. The thing I love the most about the way you think about this too, is that the thing like this cookbook and I mean, cook ones eat all week to a degree, but I feel like I'm going to get this a lot more from this cookbook is that I actually love cooking, mm-hmm. but I don't like all, I can't make all those decisions Mm-hmm. And so that really feels to me like what this is doing is that it's saying like, hey, listen, I'm not going to pretend that you don't have to do a little bit of work here. And, you know, if you like cooking, then you want to be doing that. You know, if, if it's fulfilling to me to get into the kitchen after a long day and like roll up my sleeves and and make a recipe. But I don't want to have to think about that. And I don't want to have to, you know, agonize over as I'm getting my grocery list and all of that. And so it just is so nice to be like, I still get to do the part that I like. And Kathy already did the part that I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I, that's, I hope
2: that that's really helpful. And that's another thing that's a different between the two books is cook once, eat all week. I didn't, I essentially gave people a main dish and the rest was for you to figure out. So it was like, you know, stuffed avocados, the buffalo stuffed avocados, for example. I got a lot of questions from folks writing in saying, well, what do I serve this with? And I was like, oh, you figure it out. Like <laughs> whatever you want to serve it with and it's not helpful. Cassie, that's not a helpful answer. I talked to myself at It's Like I, if my goal is to really help alleviate people or alleviate the thinking and the planning, you know, to your point of what goes on the dang table, you know, for dinner, why not provide a full spectrum? And so that was something that every dish in cook one center fix every dinner is a full meal. So in some cases, for example, there's a brisket one that comes to mind, that's it's brisket and there's a polenta and there's a ca- there's a slaw that goes with it. And so you really are able to really look at it at a glance and say, oh, this is what I would serve that brisket with. And it's going to go really well. And sometimes those elements cross over into the next one.
1: Can I ask a very specific question about a, about a food item that I'm afraid of? And I feel like you're going to help me with yes. my fear. Please do beans. Yes. So I, I was, you know, very paleo for a very long time. And I was really paleo in the phase of my life where I learned really how to cook for myself Mm -hmm. in my kind of early to mid twenties, where I really got good at cooking for myself. So I never really learned how to cook beans. And I want to learn, I want to know how to cook beans, but the, like, I can't get over the hump of them just being like this chalky, flavorless smudge in my mouth that I don't want. So then I just have to pour out all these beans and I'm like, but so tell, talk me down from my ledge about beans, please.
2: I would love to, I started, man, gosh, you know, I really think that, I mean, planning for this book and wanting to offer nutrients and foods from a really wide, you know, group, a broad group of foods uh, forced me to really start playing with a bunch of different flavors. But I found myself carrying that through into my own home and enjoying beans way more often than I would have really ever thought. The reasons why I love beans are they are so flex. They're so easy to make. They're really, really easy because when I think about other starches that I was relying on, especially like from my, I was very strict paleo for a number of years as well. My starch options were potatoes, squash, and beets and plantains, you know, and all of those require a good amount of work to make delicious. You have to chop them, wash them, roast them, something like that. And beans, whether you're, if you have dried, obviously there's a little bit more of a process. Um, but if you're using, if you're landing on canned, for example, it is extremely fast and children, or at least my small children love them. Um, they are really great baby food, especially early on, you know, they can, you can smash them for them if they're really well cooked, those pasty, when you get to that texture, it's actually like ideal baby food, Um, and then you can take take those out. Am I am I selling you on like the smushy flavor? Well, you're, at <laughs> least you're getting me ideas
1: with what to do with them when I ruin them. <laughs> when my
2: kids got it. Okay, give them to the kids. Um, but I would pull those out. It just became a really great family meal option, starch option, because I could pull those out for the little ones, and then for, to the rest of the pot, add the more aggressive seasonings and salts, and we just really love it. It's also been a really great way that I can balance out chili because again, from my paleo days, where also like you, where I really started to learn, sharpen my skills for cooking for myself. Chili was meat and really nightshades, you know, like tomatoes and things like that. Maybe I would throw in some carrots and other stuff like that, but there really wasn't anything else from a carbohydrate perspective that made its way into chili and being able to add three different kinds of beans to chili. It just really makes for a really robust, even more efficient dinner experience, because I'm not having to think about, should I also make cornbread, you know, to go with, well, that's cornbread's not, wouldn't have worked then, but you know, what else can I make to go with this? And it just becomes a really easy, easy option. And then to make them from scratch, it's actually really simple process. It's, I like to think of it, it's just like a little bit longer than making rice. So the process of, rinsing, soaking, and then cooking them. It's really not that much different from making rice. If you're familiar, you know, if you'd make, if that's a part of your routine, it's just going to take a little bit longer.
1: I always tell myself like almost every culture on this planet has beans as one of their subsistence foods. Like I am overthinking it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I don't mean to, I don't mean to point finger, but you might be, you might (laughs) might be. And you know, and if, if it's the flavor and the texture that you're worried about, I would use them in a chili or a soup or something like that, where there's some sort of a medium that's going to add some extra, um, just more flavor and other qualities.
1: Right. The same way that I would like start with another ingredient that didn't like that much, kind of like hide it and other things first Yes, until you get more accustomed to it. Okay. I'm going to do it. I'm going to try beans. Cause I was just flipping through and I was like, some of these recipes have beans, Claire, you're going to have to eat some beans. It'd be great. (laughs) You have to keep me posted. I want to know how it goes. I will tag you. Don't worry. (laughs) I'll just send it. I'll send a photo to your house. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Not weird. (laughs) So I have a question. Are, oh, yes. Go ahead. Sorry. I won't, <laughs> I won't completely dominate the entire interview. Go ahead. I have a question. I,
0: you know, cookbooks to me are very scary. And I want to say that I actually, I, Claire can attest to this, that I do not cook. But yours is actually the only cookbook where I was like, I can do this. And I've actually like made recipes from your cookbooks before. And like when I look at this, I'm like, I could do this. Especially with the vegetarian stuff. Like I, I eat meat, but I am more drawn to some vegetarian dishes. I'm super excited about this one. But I always look at cookbooks and I get overwhelmed. There's too many steps. or there's just like, I don't know, my brain gets on overload. And I also see cookbooks as almost like, (laughs) there's so many out there. It's like, how do you choose which one and like, you have an identity. What would you say is your audience and why they're like drawn to your identity versus like the other million cookbooks that are out there?
2: Oh my gosh. This is such a great question, Joy. And this is one that I had with my publisher quite a lot because the book that I wanted to create is totally, it talks to people that they don't talk to normally. Um, and I had to really figure that out. I think that the people who, not I think, the people who I create cookbooks for are the folks who are really just trying to get dinner on the table. And I feel in that identity, obviously there's a lot of self-identity in that I'm just trying to get a meal on the table and I want it to be, I want it to be delicious. I would love for it to taste good. I would love for it to be nutritious. I would love for my family to like it. And I would love for it to not cost a fortune. And I would love for it to not have to take me all day long to pull off, you know, and I felt like there's, there are beautiful books out there that they'll give you something be- delicious and nutritious, but maybe it costs a heck of a lot because of all these obscure ingredients, or maybe it requires some sort of a really involved brining, braising process, you know, and it just isn't practical when it comes down to a Wednesday evening and you would like to eat something in an hour. And there's also that feeling of whenever, I don't know if you've ever felt this, but this is how I kind of identify with the The person who is going to really enjoy a book like this is after you get finished making a meal at the end of the day, and maybe you've already, it's already been a day you've it's dinner. Like there's, you've lived a whole life already today and you're like, okay, and now I'm going to roll up my sleeves and I'm going to make dinner too. And you make this dinner. Maybe it takes you 45 minutes to pull together. You eat it in 12 minutes, right? Or however long you, you last at the table. And then you're washing all the dishes, and usually by the time I'm washing the dishes, I think, "Oh my gosh, that was a disproportionate amount of time that I have just invested in this meal between prepping, planning, and you know, and now cleaning up afterwards." And we enjoyed it for 12 minutes, and it's like that. Like that is the person who's uncomfortable and constantly facing that feeling night after night, day after day, and that what eventually leads to burnout. And, oh my gosh, I'm just like, dinner is wearing me out. Why is it this hard? Why is this challenging? Like, that's the person who I want to talk to, you know, and just say, I think we can make this easier. I think we can make this easier. We can still get something tasty on the table. You can still feel really good about all of the different micro and macronutrients on a plate. And it doesn't have to be as challenging as it has been.
0: Yeah. Or the pressure of just spending all day in the kitchen. I'm like, where are we in the in the 40s? Like, it's just, <laughs> that's just not realistic. And then also, we compare uh, on Instagram of just like, I didn't make this perfect meal for my family. Like, look at this person who's like making this picture perfect meal, where you're just basically like, it can be amazing and great. But it's also, we're not spending two hours in the kitchen making dinner.
2: Right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it can, it can be more straightforward. And I've been trying to, I started doing it by accident and then I'm keeping it going by request, but I've been sharing what our family's plates actually look like at the end of the day on Instagram, for example. And, and I hope that's helpful because for example, what I'm serving be our almost 18 month old. It's essentially, I took the casserole and I smashed it up with a fork you know, so she can just grab it and get after it. It's not cute. (laughs) There's nothing cute about it. Have you
0: seen that TikTok video? I'm sure you have of like the, there's like a TikTok video and it's like split screen with this dad. So he's watching this TikTok video of this woman creating this like amazing bento box meal for her kid. And she's like, and I'm smashing up the avocado and then I just sprinkle a little salt and you just mix it right in. And he's watching this video and he's like just putting in like, uh, a juice box and then he's like grabbing you know what are those um meat things lunchables thank you lunchable uh he's putting that in there as she continues to like and then you just you know put some grapes in there get some fruit and then he like grabs a celery stick and he just like throws it. it's like it's like that or it's just who has the time to make it look so perfect and your
1: kid doesn't yes. care no. <laughs> your kid does not care i also love that too like do you follow like kids eat in color or any of those? Like, yes. Yeah. Who I always love seeing like the deconstructed meals for younger kids where that always gives me ideas where I'm like, okay, I love chicken soup. My kids hate it. But if I serve them a little like section of noodles and a little section of chicken and a little section of carrots on their plate, now I not have to make another dinner for them and they're going to eat that. So yeah, it is always helpful. Like I love seeing the way people like get their kids to eat the same meal Mm-hmm. Because I think there is also an additional issue when you're a mom with young kids or a family with young kids. I don't want to just say mom, a dad, a family, whatever. If you're trying to feed young kids, mm-hmm. it can often feel like you have to cook, maybe not a completely different meal, but there are a lot of times components that you feel like, well, my kid's not going to eat this. So I better go ahead and make them another protein or, you know, they're not going to like this flavor. So I'm going to make sure I, and that's fine every once in a while, but you don't want to have to do that every night. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that's exactly
2: deconstructing our meals for kiddos is what I do. I mean, I will just scoop out to your point, the carrots, and then you just put them on their plate and there's a much more likely that they're going to eat it.
1: I feel very validated when you're just describing like your, you know, your, um, dream reader. Cause I was like, that's me. This is what I've been saying all this time. (laughs) This whole interview is me describing this process. I feel so validated. It's not just me. (laughs) It's a whole bunch of people out there who are like, I don't want my kids to eat takeout every night. I can't afford it even if I did want them to. Mm-hmm. So what do I do? Yes.
2: Yes. And there's a I think there's a real need. And I felt like that group was also kind of going unseen and unsupported in the recipe development world for a really long time. You know, you really had the um, especially the people who were craving healthier. Dinner options, you know. I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of content around like if you're if you're trying to get a fast meal on the table then, and that not to vilify this because we definitely have hot dogs and macaroni nights in our home. So I I don't mean to say that that's not an option, um, but it doesn't have to be the only option. You know, it's not you make a fresh home cooked healthy dinner or you know that's your only other. Option. Or you heat up a corn dog, yeah. Yeah, exactly. We did have, uh, gray and I polished up. I will say, uh, she, I don't know how she found them, but I came out from putting the baby down the other night and she was sitting in our living room eating frozen corn dogs at seven 30. Do,
1: do you get the gluten-free Applegate ones?
2: Yes. Those They're exact so ones. good.
1: They're so delicious, but why are only I- four in a box? Applegate hear us out 10 <laughs> minimum we polished off a box gray. And I I was like, that sounds, that looks
2: like a delicious idea. And so I microwaved one for myself. She prefers her frozen. She made it really clear. That's hilarious. And we ate a couple corn
1: dogs. Amazing. (laughs) I'm so glad I could just envision that so clearly. We eat those all the time. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think like what I was saying at the beginning of the episode is that I, I mean, I am a lover of cookbooks. And like I was saying, I love to cook. And I do sometimes feel like this recipe or this cookbook, whatever it is. And even in some of the cleaner eating cookbooks that I have or the paleo cookbooks, they just seem unnecessarily complicated. Like somebody, you know, either they felt this way, the author felt this way, or their publisher told them like, this isn't fancy enough for a cookbook. Mm -hmm. You need to crank it up on like the fanciness. And like, I just don't always have time to batter stuff in arrowroot flour before it goes on the table. You know, that just a random example. (laughs) Yeah,
2: that's a great example.
0: Okay. So your book comes out September 14th, but we can pre-order and I'll post the link in the show notes. Where else can our audience find you?
2: Yes. So I try to keep it simple. I'm on Instagram is probably where I'm the most active on social media. It's just Fed and Fit. And then the Fed and Fit website has over a thousand, I think we're nearing 1500 free recipes there. So there's a lot to explore, not to overwhelm anybody, but there's a lot of options there. If you're like, gosh, I wonder what their recipe is for chili casserole. There's one for it, I bet. <laughs> um, but yeah, between those two and it on Instagram as well, I'll be doing a lot of demonstrations because you know, we've talked a lot about this concept, but it's one of those things that sometimes it's really helpful to see it and to just see how it works. And so you'll be able to find those saved highlights of how these dinner series work
1: together. And you said earlier, say you were finalizing your content calendar for the next six months. So, you know, without giving any crazy spoilers, tell us everything. (laughs) What's next? Like, I mean, I know for you, obviously the book launch is huge, but the book itself is done and dusted. So apart from having a baby minor, (laughs) what are you excited about for 2022?
2: Oh my gosh. In 2022... (laughs) Well, um, I pulled a, this is usually how content goes for us is it's like pulling a thread on a sweater. It just starts to unravel. Um, we, we were like, let's, would you think that smoothie bowls are done? The answer is no, according to all of the the web searches and my own interest is where I got the curiosity, um, but they're not done. So we're going to, we wrote, we wrote like, I think we're going to publish nine smoothie bowl recipes in February, for example, And I'm just so excited. We're going to pair that with what I'd love to start doing more of is if we have, if we're building out, you know, a really solid resource like that, like here are the tried and true best, most variety, you choose the one that works for you or the flavors that interest you. We're also going to pair that with blender reviews, you know, and so do individual reviews for like a Blend Tech, a Vitamix, and the Nutribullet. So, and then hopefully be able to present them in a way where you're like, oh, okay, this is the best option for me and weigh all the pros and cons and, prices and things like that. So stuff like that. We're also going to start doing more uh, comparison articles. I'm sitting here staring on our countertop here at the kitchen studio. There are about 15 boxes of gluten-free box brownies sitting here because we're going to start testing more of these and show all of these options side-by-side because I don't know if y'all are in the market for boxed gluten-free brownies like I am. It's not really. <laughs> is
0: not is my question.
2: I forget where I am and who I'm talking to, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was, you know, there's so many options now and how great is that? How fun is that? That we have so many options, but it's a little overwhelming and you don't want to kiss a frog. And so it's kind of those we just want, I just wanted to do the the work and the research while really, we're falling on a sword here, but we're going to make all these brownies and then show all them side-by-side side and write comparison articles. So I'm excited about that. And then this is turning into a long answer. I'm obviously very excited about this, but I'm also going to start YouTube. Have y'all heard of it? It's... <laughs> This video? You know, what I've is this, this YouTube, YouTube thing. thing? I've heard huh? it mentioned.
0: You, I'm sorry, what? you?
2: It's like Y-O-U. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, wow. okay.
1: I think not like I... a U-boat? <laughs> no. I feel oh, so Thank late you. to the game. Bless but... you, listeners, for just sitting so through those jokes. so
0: proud of you <laughs> joining YouTube. Look at you all grown up.
2: <laughs> I know. I was like, you know, I just got to the point where Instagram is uh, its own thing and not... It's not, a, and, and that's just how social media goes. It's it's something and then it turns into something else as time goes on. And so I'm just, I was like, what, what, where can I pour this energy and these videos and the desire to kind of help and coach and lead? And YouTube is it. So we're gonna launch it really soon. I hired our dream videographer. She starts in a couple of weeks and we're gonna start publishing three videos on YouTube a, a week for a year.
0: Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Now, do you look at trends for social media before you make these decisions or you're like where is reels going where like how far into the research do you do do you look to determine something like that where you're like youtube's my next move
2: it's a combination of i date somebody who actually grew up i was going to call it cowboy chemistry but that's kind of offensive to people like my husband he's like we're very intelligent people as cowboys <laughs> but, it's a combination of actually studying the metrics and also just trusting gut instinct. And it just makes a heck of a lot of sense to be able to lean into this platform that exists and it's trusted. And where people, when, for example, talking about blender reviews, most of the studies say that most people go to YouTube for product reviews.
0: Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Before
2: they buy stuff. And I get it. I do too. I just bought a curling blow dryer hair thing. You know it. That's where I went to see which ones. Oh yeah.
0: Get. Anytime I need to do something like with makeup or if I need to look at a product and I want someone to show me YouTube.
2: Yes, exactly. And, and there's so much about food and my goal is to hopefully make food and cooking and all the stuff more approachable that it's easier to show that than it is to tell it and, and talk about it. And so by showing like here, we boiled chicken breasts and then we shredded them with the stand mixer. It's done. It is very fast and easy. By showing that, hopefully it helps people say, oh, oh yes, I can do that. I can shred that chicken. That was so much easier than I would have thought.
1: Right, because isn't the irony of Instagram that you have to have these like absolutely beautiful styled food photos for them to get any traction. And But like the average home cook is like, I cannot make that. And you're like, yes. but, but you can. I also really admire your ambition for releasing a smoothie bowl series in the coldest month of the year. We're <laughs> all just what- going to, we're going to put on our like fake coconut bras and just live vicariously through these smoothie bowls. And i can't wait already.
0: <laughs> oh, Planning for the spring. That's what we're going to be yes, doing.
2: We are. That's a, that's the way SEO goes. It is. I was chatting with a friend the other day and she was like, do you feel like you have to live in an alternate reality to content plan because we're planning so far ahead or the things that go live. Like we just published last week, all of our pumpkin bread articles so that by the end of October, you know, Google will recognize them essentially. Oh
0: my gosh.
2: Yeah. And it's just, it is, it's really interesting. I feel Mm -hmm. like I, when I look at the calendar, I'm like, what it's August. I thought it was February, 2022, because
1: that's where my brain
2: has been living.
1: Okay, guys, sadly, we're out of time. And I feel like this interview could go on and on and on and on and on. one day. <laughs> we didn't even get to makeup, we
0: didn't get to I know. we didn't get to nails, we didn't get to hair, we didn't get to fitness, but we'll we gotta get there. got to
1: have like yeah. a Joy and Cassie product corner one day. Yeah. I love products. that.
0: Cassie, I love products so much. Wait, I could talk products with you. So. Can we Sign do a little slide? Up. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you could interview her on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> my
0: gosh. We could do yes. We could do uh little tutorials. No. Now I'm, now I'm going a little too far. So we we're trying new, to turn Joy um, into an
1: influencer. Her husband bought her a ring light because he's like, once you mention a half an idea to him, he goes out and buys all the accessories immediately. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> he's such an enabler. It's wonderful. It's true. So Love he it. bought her like a real ring light and we're like, Joy. I'm getting there. I just,
0: I, I get weird. I'm like, I'm turning 44. Like, does anyone really
1: like want to watch me put on makeup? Everyone <laughs> wants to, Joy. Uh, we all do. We're all I raising our hands.
0: I did find an amazing new eyeliner that I'd like to show you, but we can talk about it later.
1: <laughs>
2: I've actually been admiring it. It's the
1: best. I want to know. It's the best. Okay, wait a second. This is going to be the number one question we get by this episode oh. now. Now you okay. have to tell us. So it is
0: um, the <laughs> Sephora collection. It's a shadow liner. Okay. So just from Sephora, Sephora brand. It is a shadow liner. So it's kind of like one of those fat chubby sticks. It is... Just the color silver. So it's like a glitter color, but it's not glitter glitter. So you're not gonna get like sprinkles on your face, but it is the most beautiful silver that I've ever seen. And I've tried many a fat I'm not chubby lie liner. Joy.
1: This sounds like a product I owned from the icing in like 1999. I might. You positive. might positive. Like Yeah. Like um, are it's... frosted lids coming back?
0: Well, I mean, they never left Claire, but well, for you. Uh <laughs> yeah. This is true. So right. that is, I'll, I'll post the link for everybody who wants to know, but it is amazing. And it's like $12.
2: I'm ordering it today. Yeah.
0: Okay, so the actual name of it, because I wanted to make sure I got the actual name, is Colorful Eyeshadow and Eyeliner Multi-Stick. And the color that I am raving is called Silver Glitter. Life-changing. I haven't stopped wearing it since... A week ago when I got it, because it's so easy, and it really packs a punch.
2: It's beautiful. I wrote it down word for word. I'm literally going to order it as soon as we hang up. <laughs> it's amazing.
0: I can't wait to see it on you. Okay. Yeah, so products next time.
1: Okay. Thank you, all right. Cassie. Well, thank you so much, Cassie, everyone. You know where to find us, at Claire underscore on Instagram. You can go to joyandclaire.com and, you know, scope around your feed. You might find some extra Joy and Claire in there. Maybe all yeah. the girls go on. Maybe... One of these days, baking show will come back. Baking we'll show, We're back, back, back with a
0: vengeance on
1: your market set. Bake. We are here. We are not going anywhere. Apparently ever. So ever. psyched <laughs> about that. And Cassie, thank you again for hanging in there with us. You are such a champ and we best. are so excited for your cookbook. All right. Everyone, Congratulations. I'll you next week. Bye. Bye.